are continuing our study through the epistle to the Ephesians. We are in chapter 5. We are working our way through verses 8 to 14. Walk in light, the Apostle Paul is telling us. Walk in light. And we are working patiently through this this morning. Beginning in verse 8, the reading of the Word of God through 14. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Father, I beg you to teach us. Father, you will... Show us the urgency of the day, and yet the significance of this section of Scripture that shows that uh, we are not darkness, we are light in Christ. So, Father, help us, uh, who are called by your name, to set aside our preconceived notions, and, Father, understand the price that was paid for us, that we are not our own, We've been bought and paid for with a price. So, Father, I ask that your spirit and the authority of your word teach each of us this morning. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen. We've been working our way through this book patiently, diligently, I hope thoroughly. And we looked at the first three chapters of this, and we learned out what our position as Christians are, every Christian instantaneously when you are born again this is your position in Christ and we came into chapter 4 and there's that wonderful word therefore and basically it says in light of these three chapters of very solid doctrine remember the text those of you who were with us during that time remember uh, the section where he said you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies the guy who taught the Gospel of Luke, the Russian Boris, I asked him, I said, you know, with this new freedom and everything, you know, in, in your country, and you're allowed to go travel places and stuff like that, I said, what is the greatest thing that you have learned from your uh, this newfound freedom? And now, he's a big, thick-necked Slav. I didn't say Slob. Slav, okay? Big man. And he gets tears in his eyes and he says that I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And I'm sitting there going, it wasn't Coca-Cola? I mean, and he didn't know there was the letter to the church in Ephesus. And when he read it, it stunned him. It stunned him. 
And, and I think there's times that we as Christians, we do not understand that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And what we have access to because we are joint heirs with Christ. We are part of His kingdom. We are not waiting to be a part of His kingdom. We are His kingdom now. Okay? So what we've been looking at in chapter 4, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy. In light of the doctrine that you've received, walk in a manner worthy. And then we saw that in walking in a manner worthy, one is that we are to be imitators of God, and imitators of God walk in love. Okay, This is not icky sentimentalism. This is self-sacrificing. This love, and he lays it out here, just as Christ loved you. That kind of love. That is a forgiving love. Is an unconditional love. It is an unwavering love. And it loves in spite of the response. That love. So when you walk worthy, we know that we are to walk as imitators of God. And imitators of God, beloved children, we walk in love as Christ loved us. Now we're moving into walk in light. Verse 8 there, the end. Walk as children of light. And I began last week showing you what you were. Okay? Please note, verse 8. You were formerly darkness. It does not say you were formerly in darkness. You were darkness. Alright? It does not mean you were a victim of darkness. You were a participant, a contributor to the darkness. That's what you were before you were saved. Alright? Because we have it in our minds that, well, if that cruel, cruel world made me do all those things, that cruel, cruel world had you doing those things. You were doing those things because that was who you were. Darkness. You were darkness. You were a contributor. Why? Because you would do the deeds of darkness. You were following the prince of darkness. Therefore, you were under the wrath of God, and you were headed for eternal darkness. I've had friends who tell me that they might as well just go to hell because all their friends will be there. And I smile at them, my great compassionate smile, and say, you'll never know it. Because all there is is weeping and gnashing and total black. It kind of takes them aback sometimes. But it isn't, I told them that you need to understand, hell is not run by Yosemite Sam. Hell is run by God, those he has separated eternally. Okay, but now, it says, but now you are light, note, in the Lord. Okay, you were darkness, now you are light because you are in the Lord. Okay, so we're seeing a contrast. All right, and, and it's, uh, it's an absolute contrast. No, it doesn't say you're in dim light or dim darkness. You are light or dark. And you do not have to be a great theologian 
to see these are absolute opposites at every detail. We were, but now. So when you think about your salvation, there's times that, uh, you know, I know when I came to salvation, and I mean, theologically, it was before the foundations of the earth, but when the Holy Spirit invaded my soul, uh, I remember it well. I was in a very terrible place, and then nothing was looking real promising. I had, for all of my adult life, believed there was a God, but I was raised in the schools that said evolution and uh, creation, and they're both theories. Neither one of them can be proven. And uh, so I always believed there was a God. Uh, I thought he was a jolly old chap. That's the kind of way I live my life. He made all this stuff, and I'm going to enjoy as much of it as I can, as quickly as I can, in case he needs me out of here quicker than I expected. All right, that was how I lived. But I now know that I was in complete darkness. I was darkness. And some people would say, well, we've heard about some of your bits and pieces. And yeah, you were. Well, you know what? So were you. And I tell people that. I said, the only difference between you and me is the things you thought about. I just went ahead and did it. You may have had a governor on your life. I didn't. That's the difference. And people, everybody know what a governor is? We don't do the works of Satan anymore. We do the works of God. Remember, I told you this in chapter 2. We are His workmanship, created in Christ unto good works. Alright? We are not under the rule of Satan. He has absolutely no authority over us. None whatsoever. We are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All right, there's a lot of false teaching that is out there that says, you know, that you as a Christian can be possessed by a demon or Satan or whatever. That's a lie. That is an absolute lie. If you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you're under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I don't think so. All right? We are not under God's wrath. We are under the promise of participating in the kingdom of light. You know, people ask me, they said, well, do you believe the church is going to go through the tribulation? And I said, no. They said, why don't you believe that? I said, Romans 8.1. They go, Romans 8.1, what's that got to do with tribulation and revelations? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So why would he put me through that? Well, there's a difference between wrath and condemnation. And I look at him and said, not if you're in it. <laughs> there ain't no difference. And I said, no, his people don't do that. Okay? And then fourthly, we will not go to a place of eternal darkness, but understand this. You and I are headed for an eternity that is in light. There is no lamps necessary because the Lamb is the lamp of God. All right? So you see what I mean? Absolute opposite. And you don't have to be a great theological mind to understand those things. All right? Those who are light are in the Lord. All right? You cannot be light unless you are in the Lord. You can see people 
who are dark, who do good things. But they're not in the light. They're not light because they're not in the Lord. We do the deeds of light because we are under the prince of light. We are not under the prince of darkness anymore. We are inheritors of the kingdom of light. We are heading to eternal heaven of light. Now we may end up with some foster grants, but it doesn't matter. We are going to be in his presence, his glow forever and ever and ever. So do you see how opposite they are? Do you see the difference? There's a ruler in darkness. There's a ruler in light. All right. There is, there is no Switzerland. You know, well, I'm not, I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah, you are. I guarantee it. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. If you are a Christian, you are in the kingdom of light. Paul is telling you and me in this text, then live as a child of light. Do you realize that for a Christian that the dark realm is defeated? I had a friend, I, I, I know him. He, he's a pastor. That's what his job is. Okay, now, I don't even know if he's saved. Okay? And we have several conversations. Uh, and one time we were meeting, and he came in, he had this goofy bounce in his step and big Cheshire cat grin on his face and all the rest of it. And I won't mention his name because he's here in town. I said, man, what are you all excited about? He says, I just came from my counselor. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And he said, I said, uh, what is that? And he says, well, I'm an alcoholic. And I have finally found somebody I can talk to about it. And I said, do you pay for it? And he says, yeah, I, I, you know, that's part of my insurance. I said, well, man, you can come talk to me. And well, you can pay me, too. And I said, you know, we get along well with that. And he says, well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm getting a handle on the fact that I'm, I'm recovering and I will be recovering until I see Jesus. And I just, uh, there's so much that I can take. And he crossed my line. I said, no, you're not. That's like saying I'm recovering from sin. I said, but alcoholism is idolatry. And he said, well, you don't understand. I said, brother, you have no idea. There wasn't a drug out there that I wasn't addicted to passionately. And Christ overcame every one of them. And I'm not in the process of recovery because he said, tell Telestai, it is finished. So I am not in that dominion anymore. I think I hurt his feelings. But it's true. It's true. The problem is, do you have confidence in what the book says? And if you don't, then you might want to read harder. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that works. If you are a Christian, you are in the kingdom of light. Then live as it. The dark realm is gone. 
live as light. Live as light. You are no longer a child of wrath. You are no longer a child of disobedience. You are no longer a child of the devil. And let me tell you something. I don't care what degree of participation you had. That is a drastic contrast. Drastic contrast. Okay, now, if you look at the... We are still looking at the contrast here, but I I need to deal with verses 9 and 10 of the characteristics of light. Okay? These two tie together. See, Paul's telling us that this contract is drastic. Light, dark, drastic. Okay? And you sit there for a second and you say, okay, I get it. I get it. Makes sense. I'm not in that kingdom anymore, so I shouldn't look like I'm in that kingdom anymore. So, what are the characteristics of this new kingdom? What does this new kingdom look like? That's verse 9. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. Okay? And I shared with you last week what the fruit of darkness looked like. And so now you're seeing what the fruit of light looks like. Remember what Jesus said? You will know them by their fruit. Fruit. This is not a great theological mystery. You have goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's how you know those who walk in light. Okay? I know many people who say they are a Christian. Okay? But what does their walk look like? See, we have it in our minds that, you know, if I'm bearing fruit, then I'm evangelizing, I'm passing out tracts, I'm protesting out an abortion clinic, or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, and you're wrong. Okay? You should be walking in goodness, you should be walking in righteousness, and you should be walking in truth. It's scary how many who claim to be in the light, you will hear things... I made a decision for Christ. Or, I have been in church, man, a long time. Do you know how much money I have given to the church? Do you know how many awards I got for perfect Sunday school attendance? But what is the true test? What is the true test? I told you early in my ministry here in Castle Rock, we have a very large... uh, experiential segment, mystical segment that's in this town. It's been that way. I've been in this town since late 70s. And it's, it's been there all the whole time. And it's uh, usually in the churches. It used to be uh, the big battle that I always kept kind of stumbling into were gifts. And what I've learned is, is that if a person says, I've got a pink elephant sitting on my couch, you're not going to talk them out of it. And if, you know, I've heard people, you know, you don't understand, I've, I've prayed in tongues. Well, what did you say? Well, I don't know. Well, what was the point? And, and I can give you 
Uh, a plethora of examples here in our community of people who have <laughs> silliness that they are exemplifying their spiritual condition with. What is the true test? Because the one that gives... I don't argue with these people anymore. I'm not going to sit there and debate you. If, if you believe that... You know, I, I had a guy who was in church leadership, not in this church, another church, who said that God was like a big thing of jello in the heavens and it, and it wavered. And you're like, you watch Star Trek. Because <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I saw that episode. That ain't God. I don't know what that was, but it wasn't God. Okay? And yet he was in leadership. And you're sitting there going, you know... You're not going to talk them out of it. So I'm going to worry about it. God, if you need to open their eyes, which I believe you do, you're the only one who's going to do it. All right? Because nobody wants to be woken up and said, you know, for the last 20 years, you've been walking a lie. So anyway, what I get into trouble with now is people who will tell me that they are saved. And then I'll tell them, how do you know? And then they give me some whatever. And in some cases, I've been around them long enough to say, well, I don't think you are. And boy, you talk about aggravating somebody. They get, they take that kind of personal. I've never seen anything quite like it. But, you know, they'll come back down. And I said, I'll tell you what. I want you to go read First John. It's not a big book, little big book. First, go read First John, then come back and tell me how you look. Okay, if you haven't read First John, guess what? <laughs> go read it, <laughs> then you'll understand what I'm saying. Because the children of light are known; they manifest the fruit of that light. And it isn't that I run around looking to pick fruit; it is part of our nature now to produce this. We should be known by our fruit. This is important. There needs, there has to be, there must be fruit if you're a child of God. Okay, and I told you, okay, people say, well, what is fruit? Goodness. Okay, goodness has three words in the original language. Kalos is one word that we translate Good, then depending on how you parse it, it can be goodness or something to that effect. And it means good. It, it, the, the essence of the word means that it's free from defect and it's beautiful. Okay? The second word is crestus. Crestus. And it means useful. It's good. It is useful. You know, if you had a nail and all you had was your fist, it would be Christos to have a hammer. Be good to have a hammer, right? Okay. Then the third word is agathos. Anybody here got an Aunt Agatha? That's where the word comes from. Agathos. And it means an overall moral excellence. And especially active on the behalf of others. Okay? Which word do you suppose is used here? 
and Agatha. <laughs> Agathos. Goodness. So it's not just free from defect. It is not just useful. It touches everyone in moral excellence. The Apostle Paul uses this word over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is agathos for one another and for all people. You know how annoying that is? Seeking goodness for all people? For something people don't even like. But Agathos, the goodness as fruit of the light, says, All people I will. So, the first element of fruit of light is that it touches others with goodness. Okay, If you are a child of light, you are going to walk in that light, meaning that you are going to touch others with moral excellence. Okay? That's first. All right? So if you look at that, that term there refers to everybody. Okay? Remember, love your brother. Okay, who's your brother? Well, that's easy. Anybody that's not you. Okay? So love your brother as yourself. All right? That goodness would be in terms to others. All right? Second word you see here seems to point more to God. Righteousness. Okay? This is your relationship to your Creator. Okay? What is His path of holiness? Isaiah talks about the highway of holiness. There's a good book out there. It's called The Highway of Holiness by a guy named Stephen Olford. I highly recommend it. It's a good book because it speaks of that personal seeking that path. All right. So it's my relationships to God. See, I've got goodness to my fellow man. I have a right relationship with God. Holiness. Okay. Now listen, that in, you're not, you're going to hate this, but you're going to have to deal with it. That deals with doctrine and theology. I need to know who he is. What is it that he prefers? I, I don't, I don't bring him down to here. I can make you happy here. No, I have to see where he is up here. You know, when I hear, think of holiness, okay, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is set apart. Okay. And the, the Hebrew language doesn't have adjectives. And so when they want to bring emphasis to something, they just repeat it. So there is one that they repeat about God on a regular basis. What is it? Holy, holy, holy. He does, they don't say he's phantasmagorically holy. They say it three times. All right. Now, when I think of that, I think when I look at the world, he's completely set apart from that. I remember reading a book by Arthur Pink about God's patience and how does someone who is eternal, not bound by time, need patience that is hooked to time. And Arthur Pink goes off on this thing that I still don't know where he went, but he's just like, Whoa. 
Why would you even think that up? But anyway, I have to know who God is. And, you know, and you guys heard me say this before. You will live your life to the size of your God. And look around. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, everywhere I look. All right. So the second thing in the fruit of the light is the path of holiness, which is God's standard. And am I right standing with him? All right. Then third thing there is truth. Okay. Now, the way this word is laid out in the syntax of the sentence is that this has to do with integrity. It's not referring to the word. It's not logos. Okay. It's integrity. It has to do with um, honesty, reliability, trustworthiness is how it's used in the lexicons. All right. You know what that's doing? That's dealing with self. So one is I'm dealing with my fellow man, then I'm dealing with my God, and then I'm dealing with myself. All right? Goodness relates to others. Righteousness relates to God. And truth is integrity to self. Okay, and what I, okay, what truth is, is like this. Am I what I say I am? Okay, I mean, you can have time when you're off here by yourself and are you still true? Okay, now remember what I shared last week. This is contrast to what? Darkness, which is lies, hypocrisy, and false gods. But light is goodness to my fellow man. Righteousness to my holy God and integrity to myself. You get this? You understand this is God's design for each and every one of us? You understand that this was God's design from the beginning? If we walk in light, there is to be fruit of the light. And that light should be towards others. That light should be towards God. And that light should be towards self. Because remember, we are light in Christ. We were darkness. Okay? Each should be able to examine himself and know. Okay? And be honest. Be honest. You know, my favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Behold in a mirror and being transformed from glory to glory. And there's times I share with you the first Sunday in June is always my anniversary. And I always evaluate coming up to that that celebration that uh, have I grown in the last year. When I partake of the Lord's table every the first of every month, I ask myself, have I grown? When I look in that mirror, am I being transformed from glory to glory? Okay. Many claim to be in the light. Okay? But there's a good way to tell. Now, this text, you should write down in the front of your Bible, and on a semi-regular occasion, you should read this. Uh, When I taught through this gospel, gosh, I think I was eternity past. See, I taught through 1 Peter was my first book. And then I jumped headlong into the Gospel of Matthew. 
Um, anyway, chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Okay? False prophets, false teachers. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. Are they? Uh, nope. Pretty sure about that. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Listen. The false teachers will be known for their fruit. Okay? Now go back to what we just looked at. Is there goodness? Is there righteousness? Or are they true to themselves? Okay? I want you to note, every Christian bears fruit. There is no such thing as a non-fruit Christian. Now, it may only be a little raisin, but there's going to be fruit. If there is life, then there will be produce, right? I mean, you can put like a corn seed down in the ground, and the thing comes up out of the ground... And if it stops and it don't eventually put on an ear of corn, guess what? It's dead. Right? Makes sense? There's no fruit on it. What is that? It's dead. You were once dead in your trespasses and sin. What does that mean? You don't produce fruit or light. If there is life, there will be a produce. This text should be read often. Read on. A good tree, verse 18, good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And we would all sit there with great theological minds and say, well, duh. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Got it? So then, you will know them by their fruit. Now this is the text, the section that should haunt many. And I'm troubled that it doesn't. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter to the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? You know what that means? Preach. Did we not preach in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That should scare people. I know when they ask me to uh, 
I was asked to fill in our pastor left and they asked me what I was studying and I told them and they said, will you, will you preach until we find a pastor? At that time, I had just finished up James and I was studying First Peter. First Peter was the first book I, I preached. And I remember reading in James, not many of you should be teachers for theirs is a harsher judgment. And I was like, what, what are you clowns trying to do to me? And I had already known Matthew that uh, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? And he says, away from me. I never knew you. Listen, if they say they are, and there's no fruit, then they lie. Okay? But know this too. If you say you are, and there's no fruit, then you lie. That should be very sobering. We'll all go start looking for raisins. I gotta have a raisin around here somewhere. <laughs> The children of light bear fruit of light, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, then I want to give you something to think about because that, I don't care how you shake that. That is just point blank straight. Okay. You'll know them by their fruit, but I want you to know this. Sometimes Christians sin. Did you know that? Thank God. Never seen anything like it. Sometimes. They sin. And do you realize that when you sin, you know what's the first thing that happens? Your fruit falls off. It does. It just hits the ground, rolls away, burns up and withers. Because your life isn't what it should be. The honesty, the truth isn't there. You are not what you say. Or maybe... Um, Maybe you have uh, scarce fruit. You know, I would have you bear a hundredfold. Okay? And maybe you're like, I'm, I'm in the threefold. You know, I don't want to be overcomplicated. And you have scarce fruit. This expresses a lie in your life that God has pointed out something that you haven't dealt with and you are in what I call spiritual park. You ain't going left. You ain't going right. You ain't going backwards. You ain't going forwards. You ain't going upwards. You are stuck. And until you deal with it, that's where you will be. Because a Christian who walks in light produces fruit. As a Christian sins, that fruit will become less. Paul is telling us, if we are walking in light as a child, then we will have goodness to our fellow humans. We will have righteousness before a holy God and we'll have truth that our conscience does not condemn us. Remember when Paul said that? My conscience, I don't care what you say about me. My conscience doesn't condemn me. And, you know, it took me a long time to learn that because it used to bother me when people, I've been called a Pharisee. I'd be called a legalist. I've been called an antichrist. 
I have become a demon worshiper, and I become an an idolater of the scriptures. And you know, when you're young, you're sitting there going, "Wow, man!" Because I remember when a guy told me, he says, "You've made the Bible an idol," and I was like, "I was crushed. Idolatry is awful." Oh my God, I can't do idol. And then I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Oh, I made God an idol. Bummer. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, I think about the things that people used to call me, but then it dawned on me, my conscience doesn't condemn me. And if I've got the Holy Spirit hanging out in there, I'm not really going to get away with a lot. Okay, because I've, had people ask me, so, well, who's your accountability team? I said, what? They said, who is the team around you that you're accountable to? Spirit of the living God. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's picky. I mean, he's real picky. The testimony of our lives verifies whose dominion we are in. Okay? Verse 10, Ephesians 5. I'm just going to touch on that. I'll be a little more on it. It says, trying to learn what is pleasing to God. It literally means proving. Proving. The contrast wants you to prove. If you look how that text comes back across, it says, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And it shows what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay? There are so many. Listen. Love you guys. You know what that means. You should not just teach what is acceptable to God if you don't live it. That's hypocrisy. Not only that, it will be exposed. You cannot teach what is acceptable to God. I had a conversation with a man, his wife, uh, him and his wife are divorced. And uh, he professes to be a Christian. He's one of those that, yeah, all right, okay. Because I've told him several times, I said, you know, out of the mouth speaks the heart, right? Because he's got a, a potty mouth, as my grandma would say. His ex is kind of doing some, shenanigans in his life and I tried to explain to him uh, I said that uh, the cause for divorce is always the same he said well how can you say that I said I just know I said I've been in the Bible long enough I understand how it works he said well what is it I said selfishness well she's selfish I said and so are you and when you put two people who are selfish together you have a wonderful time, don't you? And he said, well, I never thought of that. And I said, yeah, I know. He said, that, maybe that's why I've been divorced five times. It's like, perhaps it is. Perhaps it is. But you cannot teach what is acceptable to God. You have to live it first. You know, people say, how's come you got to teaching? For one thing, I was, I, and I still have, uh, an insatiable hat appetite for the scriptures and I spent all my time free time doing that before I ever became a teacher and because I was just uh, I just felt like I'd wasted a lot of time but anyway and it was after much time uh, in the scripture 
that all of a sudden the door opened for me to to teach. You have to know what God expects to be able to live what is acceptable. I know a lot of people who want to teach what is acceptable to God, and yet they don't live it. Let your life verify what you believe. Because I got news for you. It will verify what you believe. Okay? Do you understand that this simple statement is the joy of a Christian? The absolute, uttermost joy of a Christian. You know what it is? To be a living example of God's truth. That's totally awesome. I have bikers who come up to me and when they use profanity, they apologize. And it's just, you're like, wow. I don't have the heart to say that your language is not what's going to send you to hell, brother. (laughs) It's not believing in Jesus Christ that's going to send you to hell. Living what is pleasing to God. Without faith, you cannot please God. How do I know that I am a Christian? How do I know if someone is a Christian? It is verified by their fruit. They will have goodness to their fellow man. They will have righteousness toward God. And they will have a life of truth that convicts them when they're wrong and encourages them when they're right. Remember what we were looking at this morning in the Holy Spirit? He is the Spirit of truth. He will bring you into all knowledge. Look at the life. Are you doing the deeds of light? I guess uh, I could get summarized this whole section or this context in can you pass the light test? We used to do that in welds. You'd put a big bright light on the back side of your weld and if you could see light through it, you know it wasn't a good weld. We call that the light test. How about you? Can you pass the light test? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your book. Thank you for, and I thank you for the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Father, we even here this day who are Gentiles are fruit of that man. Lord, help us to understand uh, the urgency of the day first and foremost. But Father, help us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Father, we look at this at sometimes, and we see the contrast between dark and light. And yet, Father, then we understand the characteristics that we are to bear fruit of. So, Father, help us. Help us to stand as we walk worthy, as we walk in love, as we walk in light. And, Father, in weeks to come, we will be learning how to walk in wisdom. So, Father, to You, we give You the praise for this morning. Father, I thank you for the amazing things you've already done. We have called upon you, and you continue to show us great and mighty things that we do not understand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen.